Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, we got a Chiefs fan in here. Uh, Connor's been humble up until now. Uh, it's not just that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl again. It's that I just turned thirty, so it's birthday crown time. Hey, so for his last appearance on Comic Book Nation, uh, Connor Casey <laughs> is celebrating both his birthday and the Chiefs' win of the Super Bowl. But uh, we got more important things to do today than talk about Andy Reid's Cheeseball Factory. So we are going to move on and talk about what we are actually here to discuss today, which is a whole bunch of geeky goodness. Uh, we are Comic Book Nation. We are the only show that does it all for geek culture in the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm here in the CB studios. The rest of the crew is at home because Richard is off doing big baller stuff that Richard has to do for production today. So we're kind of doing a home show and we got a lot to cover. So let's jump right in. Um, right up front, I just want to address some things that some of our fans have been asking us to do. Uh, we said we're going to talk about The Last of Us today, and I am. And I'm going to talk about it enough to say that we're not going to be able to talk about Last of Us today a whole lot. We really want to talk about The Last of Us. It's hard. Our show, we have a lot to cover. Content is coming back, guys. This show's been nuts to plan this week. We thought we were like, oh, we have it pretty simple in the middle of the week. And then I was just yesterday banging my head against the desk because there's so much to do. So um, I'm just going to quick say for a quick update, my like little small talk at the beginning, right? So for a quick update, yes, I'm, I'm loving The Last of Us, that last two episode arc uh, with Henry and Sam and everything was great. All you zombie complainers, you got a big zombie battle scene and all that. Um, but people are, it's just funny because I think the more interesting conversation about this show is watching people slowly get that the show is called the last of us for a reason. And it's like a really funny TikTok of somebody saying like, it's like a couple acting out like how they used to be every Sunday when like white Lotus was coming on. They're like dancing to the club music of white Lotus and stuff. And then it's just them watching the last of us just like traumatized. Um, but um, yeah, people are kind of getting it that this is not going to be a happy show. Whatever. White Lotus is more traumatizing to me in my opinion, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't think we're <laughs> that deep to, to know why. I think that's between you and your and or therapist or best friend. So. Um, but yeah, so I mean, just I mean, it's still out there. We're still liking it. We're going to try to find a point to talk about it. Maybe at the end of the season, we'll do a wrap because, like I said, I think it's people's reactions and figuring out what the show is like is interesting. And I can't wait for what happens mm -hmm. when they got to get into the Last of Us season two or Last of Us part two. It's oh my be gosh! Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, yeah, Last of Us, that's our Last of Us talk. Uh, everybody's just do it, so it feels inclusive. Does yeah. anybody else enjoying The Last of Us? I'll go first. Uh, Walking Dead fan, that's how I got in with comic book it to begin with. I brought I was brought in for the zombies, so oh, I approve. Yeah, <laughs> but I approve. I love it. Um, I just started my first gameplay last night. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still experiencing tests, which is really nice. So, yeah, enjoying right. it. Uh, Kansas City fan, he's fine. We'll speak for him. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that that's uh, – yes, I know how certain things happen, you know, from playing the games, but I've learned that it doesn't 
make the heartbreak <laughs> any less impactful. Um, it's there are some moments in that show. That show has done an amazing job so far. I, I have to give complete kudos. So, uh, yeah, uh, broke my heart, man. It's not a show I look forward to watching, but it's a show that I always enjoy you afterwards. You know what I mean? Like it's that yeah. weird thing. So yeah. Connor, this is democracy, so we got to give you your say. We might not value it afterwards, but we do have to give you your say. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, the show is great. The scene of the zombies busted out of the hole on this most recent episode was terrifying. And if you guys haven't seen it, the guy who's helping you, make it, Craig Mazin. Quick question. Do you think that those zombies got shot up with the same stuff they gave Patrick Mahomes at halftime? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Wow, you know, I I I wouldn't want to speculate, but uh, you know, you know, maybe tell Bradbury not to hold the guy with two minutes left. But anyway, uh, if you have if you love this show, <laughs> what check out that? Craig check out Craig Mason's Chernobyl on HBO. That oh, is one of my favorite limited series oh, ever. It is terrifying. If you think this show is scary, watch what happens to someone from radiation poisoning. It is the scariest right. freaking thing I've seen. Connor has great points, and this is a perfect time to interrupt him and Kansas City's opinions with breaking news that'll hurt Matt. The Marvels yeah, is coming out later. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, Marvel <sighs> news update. The Marvels has been pushed back. Um, we This is going to segue into something we are seriously doing today, which is, I mean, I guess if Peter can handle it, let's just rearrange and get there now because we're here now. Uh, we got a bunch of Marvel updates this week. I don't think Peter has to do anything for this, actually. Uh, Peter's producing the show today. He's also in the comic book. He runs the comic book comments and makes all our pictures. So, Thanks, you know. Peter. Yeah, we get the most out of that salary budget right there. Thank you, Peter. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to just talk real quick about we got a lot of Marvel updates this week. So this whole thing with the Marvel being delayed is not kind of surprising because – Kevin Feige, Disney, everybody's been doing a lot of talking in the last couple of weeks about what's happening. And it seems like Marvel learned something from phase four or just, and it's interesting to see now because there's like a whole new generation of like our phase zero uh, illegitimate cousin over there is like learning this firsthand, something that I had to experience. Like my friends, you know, my old colleagues over when I used to work at Green Rant, you know, we kind of cut our bones during phase one of Marvel and people forget how chaotic that was, how many trial and error mistakes there were in phase one going into phase two. Um, but we, I mean, that was my bread and butter for the early 2010s was like Marvel effing up again, like, and then writing about that. But uh, so it's kind of interesting to see it in phase four. I think they learned that phase four was a bit too extra in terms of the saturation we got, the oversaturation we got. And so I think one of the biggest headlines we learned is they're spreading out things now. They're kind of slowing down the paces of release. It's looking like we're only going to get two Disney Plus series this year. It seems like Secret Invasion and Loki Season 2 are going are the guaranteed ones that we're going to get. And everything else is kind of not a guarantee at all. Kind of so, crazy. Yeah, Ironheart, not a guarantee at all. Echo, which is the weirdest thing in the world. Like everybody's been, and no pun intended, like unusually quiet about this whole Echo thing. And like, it's just getting me nervous because I was really kind of hyped for that series. And the fact that that was in production and is not coming out this year is, is interesting. So yeah, so they're slowing it down. Other things are slowing down. Uh, Nova, whatever project, we didn't even find out if that was a movie or something. That's now on the back burner, which is also interesting about like, what on the comic cosmic <laughs> side of this whole thing. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Deadpool is definitely going to be rated R. Kevin Feige confirmed that, which we had heard, but you know everybody was still doubting until they saw it, right? But Feige came out and said, nope, it's going to be their first R-rated picture, which is kind of also a head-scratcher because that kind of also backhandedly confirms that Blade, which I still think is set to come out or be in production before Deadpool 3, is therefore not the first R-rated. So seems like we're definitely getting a PG-13 Blade, but an R-rated Deadpool, take that how you will. Um, Deadpool 3 is also heating up because we're hearing that maybe Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, I think we broke Jamie Lovett, our Star Trek guru, Jamie Lovett, broke the kind of uh, exclusive breaking news that Patrick Stewart has been told to stand by for Deadpool 3. 
And basically now people are wondering about Ian McKellen coming back. And there's rumors that it could be the, that X-Men movie universe, Professor X and Magneto will appear Deadpool three. What else did we learn? Oh, as our graphic shows, we're getting another Tom Holland, Spider-Man movie for sure, which people have been speculating about because they didn't, we didn't see it on the slate, but a lot of people are kind of wondering about that element. There's going to be a lot that happens in Avengers secret wars, right? But one thing that we know from the comics that people kind of want to see is finally that little bit of venom poop we got at the end of No Way Home come into play. <laughs> what a turn. Because, and, and to kind of create the black suit Spider-Man in the MCU, which is something that happened in the original Secret Wars, right? So it makes sense that we're going to get a Spider-Man movie before all that. We also learned the Fantastic Four are going to be like a major pillar, quote unquote, of the MCU when they arrive and rumors are that they could be starting the casting with Sue storm. Uh, is that everything? Oh, well, Matt, y you know, we put this in here for you. So you got, hit, Matt, you got hit with the news that the Marvels is coming out later. And, and I'm sorry for that, but in the happier news, we've also learned that we're hearing that Kamala Khan is going to be the MVP of that movie, which, you know, I mean, did you, you know. see it going any other way after her show? Like, she's just like that Matt, character and Iman is just so infectious. Like, I don't see how that wouldn't be the case. But I'm excited for yeah, I'm excited for all three of them to be in a movie. And plus, you know what? Hey, it's November. It's the same year, right? So it got pushed to like just back a couple months. It's Thanksgiving. There you go. Now I have a reason to care. No, Matt, how, <laughs> how do you feel about Carol Danvers taking the bronze medal in her own sequel? She got her own movie. Yeah. And, and she was she actually the person in her own movie, as opposed to like Tom Holland Spidey, who shared it every single movie. Like, I'm okay with her getting a movie and then having a bunch of people in it. They're all connected to her. As we get into, and furthermore, <laughs> as me and Janelle, as me and Janelle are going to break into in our Ant Man discussion later, like, uh, I think maybe all solo character films need to be more than just solo character films at this point. So. But I like oh. I like that it's a mix. Unless they're origin that. films, unless they're origin stories, like the first kind of origin story, like we're kind of running out of runway on what these. I'm okay. Okay, I rephrase. I agree with an aspect of that. I do like that idea, but they don't need to be like if. Okay, so let's take Multiverse of Madness, right? If Doctor Strange had had America in his like origin movie right let's a character of that like you're introducing a character but that character is not going to overshadow the main character whose origin story it is i'm fine with that it's just when it's a character that is at the same level if not higher like spidey and iron man for instance that i get a little like okay you're taking you're you're taking too much this movie's supposed well, to be yeah. about them that's my only issue but i agree well that's with what you. i well i'm, cool I'm, with the I'm tethers. Yeah, you, 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 we're on the same side. It's us against Kansas City Connor over here. We're saying, I'm saying that. <laughs> what I'm really saying is that. So much shade. You, I don't think there is a, such a thing anymore as being like a third wheel. Like these solo character films kind of run out of steam. And every, say for one of them, if you look at it, like Multiverse's Madness is Doctor Strange and Wanda, right? Like it's not just Doctor Strange. Ant-Man has several generations of Ant-Man wasps and like a third giant girl, Cassie Lang, you know, coming in there too. So it's all the, they're getting more and more crowded. So I, I don't feel like the Marvels is the one that's like stepping on toes in terms of like, right. That's true. Yeah. But um, all right, we're getting sidetracked. So Marvels is coming out later. We got those MCU updates. Anybody have thoughts, things they want to share? Okay. I just love that. I'm on, I'm on par with comic book today. Me and him, like me and comic book are agreeing a lot. Most times it's comic book just throwing grenades into the chat. But like right now, it's like a lot of like a good agreement. I like it. It's a good deal. Good stuff. All right. No, but we're just we're we're messing with Connor. But yeah, we we only have his points. Connor, you can you can uh lead us off in a minute. First, before we move on, I did want to make sure we did uh plug, you know, you know, our own by the excellent Power Mount Corporation. And there's a big release on Paramount Plus this week. It is Star Trek Picard. Season three is now out and streaming its first episode on Paramount Plus. I got to check it out. Um, yeah, I'm sure some other people have gotten to check it out, but uh, this is the kind of highly anticipated final season of Picard. It brings back Star Trek The Next Generations. 
major characters from Riker and Worf and Jordy LaForge to Deanna Troy and Beverly Crusher and some other faces that we're going to see. And um, it's setting up this kind of action mystery premise that kind of has changed the status quo of Picard a great deal from where we saw in season one and season two. But um, it, it's been interesting. In the first episode, I thought it was a pretty good first episode. It wasn't the best of Star Trek TV in this modern age, but it definitely wasn't, you know, Picard season two. So I know that Picard is one of the more divisive entries in the kind of modern Star Trek lineup. But uh, I'm really excited because I grew up on Next Generation. That was my whole introduction into the franchise. And I'm psyched for this. And so far, I'm enjoying it for what it is. And it's beautifully shot and put together. And the production values look great. So Star Trek Picard, final season, season three, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, let's talk about our main event today, what we all came for, which was the big movie trailers. In the last week, we got a big movie trailer. Some people said, screw the Super Bowl. I'll just wait like a couple days later, which I think is brilliant because they got a spotlight and probably paid a whole lot less than the Super Bowl people. But it was not a bad year for Super Bowl trailers. We did get a little uh, chunky mix of trailers this year. But the one that we are going to talk about, of course, the one that inarguably stole the show was the first trailer for DC's The Flash. So The Flash is one of the craziest movies we've ever had to cover or encounter in entertainment in that we've heard this movie being made for so long. I've been reporting on this Flash movie since 2011. How about you guys? Anybody that far back? Um, when it was a Flash and Green Lantern movie in the DCEU. So we've been hearing this Flash movie was coming. It, it looked like it was going to be a disaster and it fell apart after Batman, Superman, and and the um, whole Justice League debacle. I was digging through old articles. I was saying, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. This person's in, this person's out. Like, everybody's out. Everybody's back in. And so <laughs> it's been a long time coming. And we finally got the trailer. And, and it's been bizarre because, of course, behind the scenes, there's been all this crazy controversy with DC basically resetting itself and saying, all right, well, The Flash is the end of something and the beginning of something new. Ezra Miller, their whole scandal and that whole nonsense that happened off screen. But we kept hearing like testings and feedback saying this movie is testing like through the roof. Like it's crazy. Like this movie is awesome. People are loving it. And we were like, how? Like what is happening here? So we got the first trailer, huge expectations. And I mean, I'm proud to say the flash pun intended really stepped up and uh, ran away with that Super Bowl spotlight. Wow. Um, so you points. know, not to throw shade, but like Marvel released a trailer too with Guardians, and I don't think that even came close to matching the amount of interest, intrigue, and kind of reaction that I got from watching this Flash trailer. So let's break it down. Um, we all knew it was going to be Flashpoint, right? Like we knew it was going to be based on Flashpoint, but there are some real surprises to what director Andy Machete and DC. Warner Brothers is doing with this version of Flashpoint because we all had questions like what is going to be the overarching threat to this because we doubt that they're going to have Wonder Woman you know Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa suit up for their Flashpoint evil Aquaman Wonder Woman thing so like what was that going to be and now we found out they're taking it full circle back to Man of Steel if this is the end of the Snyderverse then I mean Snyder Bros you're at least getting something you can be happy with right like, we're going to relive Zod's whole thing um, in Invasion of Earth, but this time without a Superman to defend it. But we're getting an awesome Supergirl to defend it in Sasha Cali, which, Matt, I'll let you have your moment. What did you think about Sasha Cali's <laughs> Supergirl debut? Stole the whole trailer. Stole the whole, <laughs> that whole ending sequence. Flipping rules. I mean, that's just I, – I love what they're, what they're doing there, and it just makes me – it makes me like it's it's part of the weird thing. I saw it in the comments actually, and I think who who really said Norn is rad said echoed my thoughts exactly. I really like the flash trailer and I feel bad about that. <laughs> that's like to me, that's like the perfect summation of how I feel. Yeah, I mean, we all were confused. We all came away confused. Yeah. We were like, huh. But she looks man, really I, I hope she be. sticks around. I hope she sticks around. She looks fantastic. Uh, it's just all yeah. the all the moments she's in the trailer just rule. So um, yeah, I mean, Andy Muschietti's direction in this looks great. I mean, the visuals are spectacular. 
Janelle Wheeler, as our kind of resident person we forced to love comic books, what do you think of this trailer? Well, first of all, I am a huge Flash fan. I've been watching Flash on the CW like since it started. Flash is also my dad's favorite superhero, so I like hold Flash very near and dear to my heart. Um, and so I am kind of critical. I loved Grant. I was always kind of like, why the heck did they recast Flash? We already had the perfect Flash. Why didn't we put him in the movie and give him his chance? But as I've become more familiar with Ezra in this role, I've really come to like them as, as the flash. I really have because it's a different type of flash. Like Grant is great. He's so wholesome and it's so cute and it just gives you the warms and fuzzies. But you know, ever since Ezra was introduced in this role, I have felt like he's more like, likable relatable i guess like grant just seems so sweet and just so perfect and i've really enjoyed ezra as flash and so when all of the backlash when everything has been happening i don't even want to say backlash when all the stuff has been happening i've been super disappointed because i didn't really like affleck as you know batman but i liked but i liked ezra as flash so I'm not mad at this, but it's just getting to a point where I'm like, how I know this resets everything, but like, how are we going to reset everything? Like, I just don't, I still want to just to clarify, James Gunn has been very upfront from the beginning saying they're going to pick and choose. Like there's going to be things that get completely reset and there are things that are not going to change at all. So yeah. they're just literally picking and choosing. So I mean, he's not lying about that. I'm trying to have faith in all of the the changes that we already know about. And I'm already kind of bummed about those. And I am very excited about this, but it's just such a weird emotion because I'm, it's like, I'm excited, but I'm also bummed. And it's just this weird, I don't know. I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship, like a toxic relationship with DC. <laughs> Because I, it's like, I love it. I hate it. I love it. I I love, like, you got rid of my favorite Superman, but you're giving me, like, I finally get to see the Flash. But, like, I, I, should I feel guilty for being excited about this? Like, it's just, it's very, it's, it's just strange. (laughs) That's my take. It's, uh, I think, you make, she makes, look, Janelle makes a lot of really good points. And, like, it, it totally, yeah, I feel the same way, though. I'm very conflicted. Also, comic book again with a fire comment. (laughs) because <laughs> i am team wally west i have been always yeah yeah <laughs> i was I gonna say comic book comic book can, you get i mean everybody can relax look <laughs> things are hap- things happen in cycles right so in the 2010s the 80s made this sneaky little comeback right people are started you know all this club electronic music all that stuff all the fashion all that stuff was 80s recycled in the 2010s so we got barry allen back you know there was rebirth and now barry allen's had his day but 90s are up next baby 90s comeback is is like what's happening now and you know what the 90s were defined yeah and the 90s were defined by one flash and one (laughs) flash only one wallace west and that's the flash us 90s kids got grew up with and i'm gonna bet my i'll bet my bippy that they're gonna if they don't throw in grant gustin at the end of this flash movie they will switch to wally west which you know wouldn't hurt anybody all right connor let us know Um, what you think yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you, Connor, because uh, Connor is our wrestling guy. So uh, let's talk about how the Flash was a heel in this one, because I feel like the Flash came out and just dunked on its fellow teammate who also released a trailer this week. Shazam. Connor, oh. does Shazam have any shot at the title bout anymore, in your opinion, at the belt? Not not even remotely. Um, l- let me say this about the Flash. Sorry to, to pivot here, Kof, but honestly... After seeing this trailer, I've got very little interest in Shazam. It feels like it's going to be its own little thing, and then we're just going to move on from it. But to be honest with you, this trailer kind of defies logic in how good it is. Like, let, let, let's, <laughs> let's break this down, for example. Flashpoint as a comic event was not good. Whoa. It, 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 it's not Whoa. a good event. Whoa. No. Oh. No. Uh-uh. Let me finish. Oh, my. Yeah, don't just state it as fact. It's not a good (laughs) event. This movie is a reset, but it's not the actual reset because the reset is still coming, but that's in a few years, and we get to pick and choose. So people that aren't like us that are following this thing constantly are going to be completely lost 
when they're asking, hey, didn't all that stuff happen in, in the flash and none of that's here? And you're going to go, yeah, yeah, don't don't worry about it. James Gunn got everything. Just don't ask questions. It's also a cap off to the DCEU, which we know is ending. And it's also using Batman 89 to do so. Even though Keaton looks amazing. We're bringing in a new Supergirl, even though this would have been a great opportunity to bring back Cavill for one last run. But I love what Super. I loved everything I saw from Supergirl in this. <laughs> Ezra Miller, uh, from everything we've learned over the past couple of years, a reprehensible human being, and in my opinion, was never as good as Grant Gustin as the Flash. He looks great in this trailer. And honestly, I think a lot of it, what turned for me was the moment Zod showed up on screen because that's a stroke of genius. I did not consider that Michael Shannon was going to come rolling back and put on the suit again and try to be the big bad again. But that's brilliant. And to me, that's a heck of a lot more interesting than the 80th attempt at an Elseworlds where Wonder Woman's the villain fighting Jason She's Momoa, and you're going to try and make me boo Jason you Momoa. Totally and guys, that's just not going to happen. You were totally simplifying Flashpoint. But listen, we got to move on because we have an interview to do, but I do agree with Connor that the Zod thing is a more interesting twist, especially in the context of trying to get over this massive hurdle of finishing the Snyder era, launching something new, and this having to be the bridge piece. I think that is a stroke of genius to kind of make that bridge into something where I think they're working in this film. And I think we're all having weird emotions is because we're so used to DC being this like really divisive binary camp where people are like, I want this or I want that. And this movie is like mixing it all together. And there's this thing called compromise. We don't remember anymore. We're just like, you're getting a little bit of something you love, but a little bit of something you don't. And you're like, I don't know how to feel, but that's kind of what we're getting here. And it's, and if they pull this off and thread that needle, it like, I'll be the first one standing up in the theater with the slow clap because that is near impossible to do. But so far they're off to a good start and getting it done. But, um, all right. Uh, I don't want to cut anybody off, but I know we got people waiting in the wings and we got to, get to a big interview we're going to do uh anybody want a final thought everybody good nah, I feel no like everybody i'm just really pumped running. like i'm excited more content <laughs> yeah. always if we keep going oh, yeah, we got be another half hour <laughs> could you guys imagine could you guys imagine we had gotten this last year when we were all like hyped up on our dc hype? oh my god yeah oh man oh well that was Kofi. 2022 we're in 2023 we're going to take a break but when we come back we are getting a special visit from one of the creative teams over at DC. We are going to break down the upcoming comic, Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface, and talk with the creative team of that book. So stick around and be right back, Comic Book Nation. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. How's it all for geek culture? Oh, I'm sorry. Did, we, did I come in too early? Uh, let's try this again. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the only podcast of comicbook.com. If, if you're just tuning in right now, we just did our first half of the show talking about the big trailer, uh, The Flash. We were supposed to talk about other Super Bowl trailers, but 
Nah, forget those guys. You can watch all that on comicbook.com movies. Fast X, cool. John Wick, cool. Guardians, kind of disappointing. Everything else, kind of meh for me. But you can go watch that all, like I said, on comic book movies. We are going to be moving on now because we are continuing our awesome interview series that uh, our own Matthew Aguilar has been spearheading this year in this season. Uh, Matt, who do we got today? Well, we are going to be talking about Batman One Bad Day Clayface uh, with the creators Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. And we're going to be talking all about this right now. How are you guys? Whoop. Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? (laughs) Welcome. We're like, are we on camera? Are we on camera? Are we on camera? Boom, you're on camera. Almost Welcome. got that transition. Live yes, streaming, like man. Early. It was a hair early. Sorry, Love Yeah, it's Great okay. We're in, yeah, we're in season five, and we all still react like that every time. Sometimes it's where we have really <laughs> loud intro music. Show up. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're just. I think that's what it is. It's an innate. We're just surprised that people continue to do the show. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, how, it's how you keep it honest. If, if, the, internet got, if the internet got too polished, we don't have to get off. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Just, well, uh, working in the studio, listening to you guys talking about the Flash trailer, I feel like we wanted to be here a half hour early to join in all the uh, all the good chatting. Uh, <laughs> a lot of oh, oh, don't worry. Yeah. 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 Oh, I know. God, I know. I know too much. To I, I, I know too much about that movie. I can't talk about it. I know. I know, oh, well. I know secrets. I know secrets. None of you know. Ooh. I gotta be. I gotta be super chill when it comes to the flash. Well, can we I, ask I, you right off the bat? Say, I'm psyched. Without revealing a thing, do you what like from zero to ten? How? What is the le- level of audience mind blowedness? Do you think is going to happen? That is going to happen in this movie. Ten. I think. I, I, I think. I think if if half the stuff that I have heard is true from people who should know, ten. Insane. Complete madness. I, I, but I mean, but also I hear the movies like incredible. So, so yeah, that's what we were talking about how well it was testing and how much doubt there was around that until this trailer kind of came out and really began to reverse that opinion. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, now that we're on it, I mean, we had this for later. We were going to throw you guys into this uh, conversation, but Janelle, I think is a good time for your question. Would be right now. I have a few, but what are your current most anticipated DCU projects? And are there any unannounced plans or even rumors for the franchise that have you pumped? I, <laughs> I, Both I, I'm actually the- really, so out of the, out of the gun announcements, the thing that mm-hmm. psychs me up the most uh, weirdly is paradise lost. If only because I think that that's a really, uh, yes! a really unessayed part of the DCU. It's something that uh, I, I've always felt like the DCU plays best on film when it uh, leans into its fantasy roots a little harder because it's something that, that it, it gets to do that um, Marvel really doesn't. Uh, and the whole slate feels kind of fantasy to me. Uh, like it's either like Morrison or kind of fantasy, which I dig. Um, so I'm really excited about Paradise Lost. I want to see how they, what they build out of that, how how they can introduce new stuff, how they can bring in stuff from the Wonder Woman canon, but also probably from like other mythological canons. Um, you know, Game of Thrones with Wonder Woman is like an easy move for me. Like I, I want that. That's exactly what Amazing. I want. Amazing. So I'm, I'm yeah. Dude, same. It's my number two. The, oh, yeah? Like yeah, next. Oh yeah, Super we ranked Girl. them all. Yeah, we ranked. <laughs> so oh, nice. Yes. Love it. Awesome. Colin, what about you? Um, I gotta say, if if this if Superman is gonna be following All-Star Superman, I mean it is one of the greatest Superman stories ever told. Um, I feel like God love Henry Cavill. I feel like we've been dancing around the perfect Superman movie, but we have yet to get it. And if he can bring if he can bring All-Star to life, if he can nail that core of hope, especially if we're telling a story about like effectively Superman's last days, I mean, I think that's exactly the kind of optimistic, powerful story that the nation and the world could really use. Um, just please, God, don't make him murder anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Well, I mean, that's a but that's a perfect segue into the book that you guys worked on, which does include quite a bit of murder in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say a completely oh, different tone. One hundred percent. That was what was no. that? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, that's why we did this in a lar- in large part, uh, because we are not uh, guys who tend to write, quote, unquote, the phone is just gone, uh, quote, unquote, like, mean stories. Uh, we are pretty optimistic writers. We, people who, who know us from our DC stuff, know us for, uh, 
yeah, we just killed Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond Neo Year, but we spent six issues uplifting Terry and bringing a family around him and like doing a lot of like, very optimistic work um, in Neo Gotham. We uh, did, did Gotham City Garage, which was all about hope surviving. Oh, the Thank you, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> sort of like series. hopeless uh, uh, Luther fascism. Like we are very much a, uh, a sort of like hope kids. And so when they came to us and said, hey, we, we want you to do one of these one bad days, um, you know, they're going to be doing an initiative that's all designed to sort of like do a killing joke for every single Batman villain who's never gotten like a great killing joke style story. And we said, wow, awesome. And they told us that creative teams were like, why are you telling us this? These guys all sound awesome. And they were like, oh, because we want you to do Clayface. And there was like a pause. We were like, you want us to do a one bad day? And they were like, yeah. We we're like, uh, I mean... And Clayface, huh? And they're like, yeah. It was like, why? And and Dave Will goes, who's their editor over there, goes, well, because you guys live in Hollywood and you know how terrible it is. So, and, <laughs> and, and that really clicked him into place because he wanted us to explore, obviously, Basil is an actor, right? Like this is his entire life. This is kind of putting on different faces and trying to be uh, the celebrity that he's always existed as, as in his mind. Um, and, you know, to Jack's point, we, uh, we started our career as writers uh, as Hollywood guys. Uh, some other writers call us the Hollywood kids. Uh, Steve well, Orlando specifically called us calls us the Hollywood <laughs> boys, which yeah, is yeah. like even more like. Okay. Um, but that's kind of the world we live in uh, in our in our other lives. And what happens out here is, you know, everyone comes out here chasing a dream. Everyone comes out here with hope in their eyes, and. On a long enough timeline, you can find success, but that success means that you have to get beaten. You have to take all these hits. You have to bleed. You have to suffer. And for the two of us, that's one of the reasons that we work as a writing partnership, because you always have an ally at your side, right? You are never alone. But for an actor, especially, coming out here is so brutal because you have people specifically saying it's not just your acting, it's your face, right? It's you. We don't want you. As opposed to us, we can hide behind, oh, they didn't want like the scripts, right? But for an actor in particular, it's so painful. So we have, you know, over a decade, we have a decade and a half of pain built up in our hearts over how toxic Hollywood can be. Love you, Hollywood. But <laughs> that's when, when Dave said, you guys are unique to tell the tragic story of Clayface in the town of Angels, in the city of Angels. We were like, oh my God, yes, please. Let us excise some of that bile that has been living in us. Uh, and put it on the page. Amazing. Cove? Oh, I'm saying you guys are pros. You guys have ripped through so many questions that we had as our <laughs> next follow-up <laughs> questions. So let's just catch up. So yes, now we know why you guys chose Carlo. We got that as opposed to, I guess there were no other discussions of other clay phases. We can cross oh, that no. one off the list. Straight um, up, it was Basil Carlo from moment and, one. And just so it yeah. said, like, we love what James did. We love uh, a sympathetic, like, that's one of the great things, right? He's such a sympathetic character. But the point of a one bad day isn't, let's have a hero turn, right? Let's explore yeah. the tragedy and pain of these but, characters. But it is about sympathy, right? And I think, again, that's, that's what's beautiful about these stories, is it's about sympathy for the monster. But monster needs to be, like, bolded and underlined, especially when it comes to Clayface, who can very easily hide behind what seems like very... Um, like relatable motivation. Anybody who's ever been an artist understands the concept of like having a vision and wanting to have it, you know, wanting to right. extend that vision, wanting to stand by your vision, even when people tell you that it won't work or it's madness or whatever. And the idea of having a character who defends that vision so hard that he is willing to kill for it uh, and is, is willing to subsume himself into it uh, and may lose himself entirely into it. That felt like a really great and very, um, uh, for us, very relatable turn because it's exactly the kind of thing we, we've gone through in our own ways. Um, you know, just not to such an extreme, obviously. As well, you guys funny. touch on, uh, oh, sorry. I was just saying, as you touch on the one bad day series that we're kind of getting, we did, we also talked about Bane on the show mm -hmm. is based on the killing joke. And in this, you guys without spoilers get to have fun with that idea in a very kind of meta way. How much fun was it playing with the kind of meta-ness of doing this comic story, but playing with both Hollywood and other kind of adaptations of things? Was that challenging or fun and cathartic for you guys? All three. All three, my friend. 
Like, so um, I, I feel like we can tell the audience kind of what the premise of that, at least a little bit is. Yeah, it's not, it's not much of a spoiler. No, and I think it really kind of plays into it. Um, the role that um, that Clayface is running out for is a Hollywood adaptation of uh, of the Joker story, the Killing Joke, right? And it's you know it's kind of the hero turn. It's the Hollywood version of this adventure, um, but you know that's kind of what we get to play with. So we get to explore you know how Hollywood would have treated these actual stories of Batman uh, in a really fun way, in a really meta way as well. And that wasn't in the outline that we originally had approved. Uh, we kind of just dropped it in because we knew he needed to be exploring a role. Uh, and then as soon as we started playing with that idea, it kind of was a no brainer. It's something that was also very fun doing that um, beyond the, I think the, the necessary nature of oh, we're going to need a movie because we knew that we had, uh, at the very least, we wanted to be in an audition. We wanted to be on set. And then we were going to echo that one last time at the end of the book. Uh, and we knew that that was kind of the framework is like, oh, there's going to be a movie. There's going to be an audition. There's going to be a set. There's going to be this, this final monologue. And like, we knew that that was going to lay out, but we weren't certain what the movie was until we were writing it. And I, I think it was around the time that we paneled it into nine panel grid which it was obviously a, a huge um, sort of formalist effort in The Killing Joke. The Killing Joke is built on grid. Um, the, every page has sort of a nine panel grid structure and, and, and format effectively within uh, that book. And that was very sort of deliberately done. So we got to our nine panel, which we like to use specifically for um, things like monologues because it allows the actor to take central, like the, the quote unquote actor on the page to take central frame. You, you can really see their changes because every, it's a three by three grid and every panel you're kind of seeing the same angle or something close to the same angle. So you can really see the acting. Tom King obviously does this to enormously excellent uh, 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 effect in a lot of his work. Um, and to the point where it kind of became a joke with him. It's like, oh yeah, it's another nine panel grid by Tom. But like he, but there's a reason why he does it. It, it works so well for the kind of comics he does. So we were like, okay, we're gonna do, you know, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do a little nine panel here and that'll give us that moment. Um, and then I think at that point we looked across the table from each other. And I don't know which one of us said it, but we were like, well, if we're doing nine panel, then we were directly referencing Killing Joke in a book that's already referencing Killing Joke in its format and its logo <laughs> and its name. It's like, well, we might as well go all the way here and really lean into that because fans will understand that. And people who don't will will be will at least have maybe seen Joker and will know that what we're kind of referencing here, because we never say the word Joker, right? We don't, we never say the word Jack Napier. We don't, we never like say the thing, but we say enough about it to get you to the thing. And then eventually I think we say killing joke on the slate. Um, so it was a fun, like, but yeah, our, our thing was like, oh, but they'll kill this uh, in the, in the draft. Like we'll turn this in and then DC will be like, yeah, just change the name <laughs> of the movie. And they didn't, which I thought was stunning. We were both really uh, excited that that got in, um, which is a microcosm of what it's like to work at DC right now. Like DC is just a great, three very weird place to tell stories they're they're really opening up the um the the toy chest and letting people like play around uh right now which has just been a blast for people like us um who've, who've been uh, dying to do it for years no that's awesome uh you know it's funny you you mentioned like drawing the line between the monster and you know the person still having sympathy and i think the artwork goes a, a long way uh to telling oh that story um you know zermonico and romulo doing some just gorgeous, gorgeous work right here. And we've seen it, some of it, you know, pop up on the screen. Um, you know, what did they kind of bring uh, to that to that story that maybe you hadn't envisioned? You know, cause I know sometimes the back and forth process can be really kind of different than what you go in expecting. Zermonico is a genius. Um, like in a, in a, and I say this as somebody, we, we get to work with genius artists all day long. Um, we, we have very good luck in that regard. Zermonico, every page Colin, I had to be like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, like, how, how is this? What is how we, we dropped so many weird challenges in this book format wise, formally screenplay pages. Um, yeah, there's a silent mix, beat there's a that mix, has to play on an actor's face. There's a mix. There's a mixed media element to this book that we're really proud of um, that people might really enjoy. And the cool thing is like, you know, he doesn't come from Hollywood, but he learned screenplay format. Like he learned actually how to kind of put that stuff together. Um, and his work is just so, I don't know if we can swear, so flippin', uh, so flippin' human uh, through Clayface. And that was so crucial, right? Seeing, being able to take this goo monster and like, look, we all love a good, 
all love a good goo monster, but then make it human and be able to take those shapes and that expression and kind of find something that is um, so true. And uh, like li literally gobsmacking. Um, if you, even if you don't, I always say this, even if you don't read any of our words, pick it up for the art alone. Uh, Cause it is going to absolutely blow your mind. Also you, one of the things you, you, you might've seen in the, uh, it, when you guys were running the, the panels, I thought what was really cool is almost everything you ran were his uh, in universe movie posters that he designed and painted and then placed into the background of various shots. So you, you weren't even seeing like, like interior art from the comic, really. There were a couple of pages of interior art, but most of it was like the gray ghost poster or the Western poster, which he just, like we were like, I don't know. There's there's gonna be some posters in the back. It'd be nice if one of them was Great Ghost because we're gonna reference it at some point. Cla and classic writer bullshit. Uh, behind yeah, the yeah. Are seven posters from movies that have happened in the past. I don't and, know. And uh, Zermatico was just like, oh, uh, I painted some posters, and I put like they're in the background. Here's some here's some high res ones if you guys want them. I was like. And, and literally, you know, he painted them and then, you know, you 3D juxtaposed them, put them into the frames themselves. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just a stunning piece of work. Uh, he yeah. went so above and beyond and poured everything he had into this. Uh, and it, it shows, man. Yeah, I was amazed. You guys aren't exaggerating. I was amazed about how much entertainment value I could get out of just pictures of Clayface standing in front of a mirror with himself. And I was just like, <laughs> highly entertaining. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. And well, when you're like, when, 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 when we pitched this, I remember a big part of what we pitched, and this was the great opportunity of One Bad Day, was when they asked for the pitch in the first place, they were like, keep in mind, you do not need to put Batman in this book. Like, Batman can be in this book, and if you and if there's a great place for Batman in this book, go for it. But unlike almost any other book that has the word Batman in the title, you do not need to anchor this on Bruce, and you don't need to anchor this on, on action. So don't feel like you need to get this to a fight scene, Right just feel like you got to get to where the characters need to go and then you'll figure it out from there. And so we wrote it very much with that idea of like, well, it's going to be a lot of pages of Clayface standing in front of mirrors or like, here's a double, like rather than a double page spread of Batman and Clayface, like fighting over the Gotham skyline, uh, we were going to lead with like a double page spread of Clayface working at the Chateau Marmont and like meeting his coworkers. Like that's a very different challenge for DC. It's not the kind of thing you normally get to do in a superhero comic. And it was really a, uh, it was such a great way to spread wings and like for everybody to just try something really new here. I know talking about the art, uh, it definitely had a profound effect on some of our team members, Connor, you can, uh, you can state your grievance now. No, it's, it's no grievance. It's praise. Um, the the last page, that particular visual, and I won't I won't spoil it for the folks who haven't read it, but I won't lie, it's haunted me since since reading it. And it, I I was just curious who came up with that specific visual and that internal monologue that needed that had to cap everything off, and where did the idea of that particular I won't say it outright, but that visual, yeah. Where, where in the process of creating this did that come into play? Uh, unless I recall mistakenly, it was almost the first. Okay. Yeah. Like, wow. We, like that was the image that we had in our heads. And, you know, and Jack and I, we call ourselves the hive mind, right? At this point, we've been writing together for almost a decade and a half. Um, we basically share one brain cell. Uh, and that image, <laughs> only one, only one cell, one brain cell. <laughs> uh, and that was, that's the whole ball game, right? Like that, that image, that idea, um, that we will not spoil is, is the landing point that we knew we needed to hit. It's also when we're looking at comps, um, because this is a story about Hollywood. It's a story about fame. It's a story about, um, how you subsume yourself for other things. Um, we knew pretty early that this story had to, was going to sort of be in conversation with other stories like this and movies like this. And sure. uh, there's a particular image from uh, the, from a movie that has meant a lot to me over my life, weirdly, um, uh, which is Little Shop of Horrors, uh, that that image is in direct conversation with. Um, like it's, it's I, I don't think we looked at each other and said, oh, we're going to do a Little Shop. But I think there was part of us that was like, hey, there's, there's a, um, there's a haunting aspect to uh, being at the end of a killing spree and what it means to, uh, to be, to be at the end of that, having learned what we've learned about Clayface. It's very hard to talk about without spoiling it. Um, but I, I think that 
in terms of figuring out that image, that was always going to be there. The monologue was really interesting. I want to sort of like, like talk to that because we talked a little bit about like, oh, we didn't really know what the monologue was going to be until we were on page. But we knew that it was going to recur three times. We we're going to see it in the, in the audition. We were going to see it on set. And then we were going to see it at the end. And so when we were writing our pages, we left those pages blank. Yeah. We were like, we wrote the nine panel, but we didn't really like, you know, we, we sort of wrote like the acting, but we didn't write the words. And then we sat there after the script was done and we said, okay, what is this monologue gonna be? What's the best, like we looked back at Killing Joke and we were like, is there something we can grab from there? We obviously don't want to like just use Alan Moore's words because that would be cheap. Uh, you know, that's like being like, hey, I, we wrote some Shakespeare. It's like, no, mm. like write the, <laughs> write the monologue. But we knew we wanted it to be sort of inspired by and be a twist on Alan Moore's storytelling structure and, and, and the kind of story he was trying to tell. So we like went in and, and uh, filled that in afterwards. And then it was really a question of like, how is that going to echo properly to the front, to the, to the middle and to the back. And then getting to that last line, I think that last line is something that really wasn't on the page until the very end. Like we went, or we went, <coughs> it's not like we went round and round on it, but I don't think we knew what that last line was going to be. And once we realized it and how it would pair with the image, we had a feeling it could be haunting, right? That was the whole point. We, we, we knew we wanted to leave you with this particular feeling and this particular image and this particular um, sort of tragedy, because this is a tragedy. And if okay. we can, which again, just you don't get to do in superhero comics all that often. Mm. So that was a, it was, uh, I'm very happy that it worked. I'm happy that it haunted you. I'm sorry, uh, but I'm very happy <laughs> it did that okay. because that was in every way the, uh, the, uh, the hope. And then, I mean, to me, it's the page before. The, the, the second to last page, which is sort of a twist on the nine panel, but there's these silent panels. Those silent panels live rent-free in my head now. There's some scare, like Zermanico nailed those and Romulo nailed the color. Like all of it is just so haunting. I'm really, uh, I'm very, very uh, happy with how that turned out. And, and I do know that we um, were kind of running out of time here. So I would be, uh, I would be, uh, 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 remiss if I didn't point out that uh, a lot of this is true. Um, you know, not to Clay, like Clayface is fictional, obviously, but a lot of the lines of dialogue that we've experienced, basically everyone in the Chateau Marmont, one of our best friends, um, Dylan DeVale, actually worked. He's an actor and a lot of this is kind of, there was a lot of reflection of him and he worked at that, um, at that hotel and we kind of brought a lot of that in. A lot of these characters are direct riffs on people we know uh, down to their names. Shout out to the Condrats. Um, and especially some of the lines, there's a line um, from a producer that haunts us still, uh, <laughs> where we were in a meeting and we had all these great ideas and he looked us dead in the eyes and said, this is a listening meeting. No, this should be more of a listening session for you. Yeah, this should be this more should of be a more listening session. session for you is the, is the most brutal way I've ever been told to shut up. And it was, and like, we it's it, it's just sat in our head forever and i was like i've never been more close to becoming clayface <laughs> than <laughs> in that moment. yeah um and so getting to do so getting to to translate that directly onto the page was deeply cathartic oh I think <laughs> so that, cathartic. that's a that's a thing that i hope if as people read this if they find the real honesty and truth in it know that we are literally putting our hearts on the page here like this is us excising a lot of the toxicity that we have had to internalize uh, and we hope people get entertainment out of our pain <laughs> um you know uh one last question and i know we got to get you uh you guys out of here um you know i'm a i'm a huge as noted in the i was i was celebrating a little bit earlier because i heard Gotham city garage uh mentioned i'm a huge fan of that series um just love the the characters and the world building um so you know would you want to see uh that in in live action or animation someday <laughs> Y yeah, yes. yes, yes, we would. Yes, we would. Very much. <laughs> Easy answer. <laughs> we, would do a, we would do 100 more issues of it. Like, we loved Gotham City Garage. That book was canceled before it ever started. And we, it, we, were, uh, we were just pushing that boulder uphill out of sheer love um, for those characters, for that world, um, for a chance to tell a really different kind of story with Wonder Woman, to tell a really different relationship with Supergirl and Batgirl, um, which to this day is one of my favorite relationships we've gotten to do. Um, I, the, the thing I'm always really sad about is that we, we put 
dirtbag drunk Guy Gardner on the table. Like we had like, oh yeah, like the one of the only guys in the Gotham City garage is is Guy Gardner and he's an absolute mess. And we always had an issue that we wanted to do that was just a day with Guy that was just your like your sort of like drunken samurai issue. And I to this day I'm like, I don't know when we get to do it, but someday we'll do our uh, drunken dirtbag guy gardener out in the old west story because that was way too fun. Ah! And we will say, you know, this is there's no, you know, this is far up on the horizon, but we may not be done with all of those characters. Yeah. Oh yay! Okay, I get to look. I just need something to keep me going for like you know another couple years, decade. Nah, we got, you. Know, we got you. <laughs> we'll make sure your, your crops are watered. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, we can end, end it with a happy note of Matt is always good. So uh, we try to keep him a little bit happy over here. So we want to thank you guys for joining us. Everybody, if you don't have this on your radar, you definitely need to. This is Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface, Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing. Thank you for joining us. It was great talking to you both. And uh, all the success for, with this book that you guys deserve. It is, it is gorgeous. And shout out to your whole creative team because it is just, yeah. Yeah, this was a great read. So thank you. Hey, hey thank, thank you, guys you very much, and uh, uh -huh. thank you, Comic Book Nation. Thank you, uh, everyone who's appreciated what we do. Thank See you guys later. Thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> All right, so that is Batman One Bad Day Clayface. That's coming down the pike. Uh, Matt, when's that releasing? Uh, I hope you have that handy. I don't have that handy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, it, but it's coming and you guys should definitely look out for it. One of the best Clayface stories I've seen this side of like Batman, the animated series, and that's that's really saying something. Yeah. So let's talk about other comics in our to close out the show. Let's talk about a couple other comics. Uh this week we continue our wild ride through the X-Men universe with February twenty-first. Okay, Batman One Bad Day Clayface, February 21st. Thank you very much. That is this upcoming Tuesday. Boo -boo. So get that book. Get that book. Yeah, the one bad, these one bad, days are, one bad Days are doing it, man. Uh, but now we're on to the weirdness of X-Men in Sins of Sinister Nightcrawlers. Uh, and this brings us back around. There's a lot of this Sins of Sinister storyline in X-Men currently that is tying back to the original House of X, Powers of Ten storyline. And uh, the Chimera were a big part of it that had us thrilled way back in season one. Go listen to season one of Comic Book Nation where me and Matt were just up here solo talking about House of X and all kinds of nonsense. But uh, this was one big part of it, the Chimera that Sinister created by splicing mutant genes. And so... Nightcrawlers is a weird book. Um, it's not really about Nightcrawlers all that much. I mean, they're they're part of it, but it does do a lot to kind of tie up a lot of it and bring in the central mysteries that were in this storyline, and yeah, and do it well. So one of the big things we got in this book is we finally now know all four Sinister clones. We got the last one who I love, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But we got to explore what's happened in this sinister, this timeline Mr. Sinister's created 10 years on as some of the other Sinisters try to marshal their own kind of resistance to their brother. Uh, I loved this book. I, I'm loving the whole Sins of Sinister event storyline. I, I think it's great. And I think it's one of the better things we've done with Mr. Sinister in years who's been kind of bubbling around and a lot of weird stories when you begin to look into what they've done with him over the yeah. last few years. But uh I'm really enjoying this, and I and I love the final Sinister clone, Mother Righteous, which was, as I guessed, somebody who was based in magic and creating characters like Vox Ignis, who was like Banshee and Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. um, weird stuff happening in X-Men, but I'm loving it. Janelle? I'm confused, but liking it a lot. Like, there's a lot of stuff that clearly I've I've missed, um, but I... I I wasn't completely out in the woods, like not knowing what is happening. It's just, it's not, it wasn't, it's not, it hasn't been as easy to right. follow as some of the previous X-Men uh, titles that you've had me read. So I, I enjoyed it and I thought it was really cool. And I love the idea. It's just certain people. I don't know who they right. are and, and what their story is, but uh, I, it sounds like I need to read the house of X. <laughs> yeah. I, we might need to do a, a yeah. back and read that with the, especially with the, with the next big chapter coming up of that story. Connor, what'd you think? Loved it. Um, like you said, it calls a lot back to the house of X and, uh, Dawn of 10, I think was the, was the uh, powers of 10 powers of 10 that ran alongside of it. Um, 
uh, Janelle, I'm in, I'm in the same boat where it's like there's just enough to follow what's going on, mm -hmm. but there's also mm -hmm. not enough context in other areas. Mm -hmm. Like I had to I read uh, the Storm book, which was technically part mm -hmm. two of this. And when the sinister in the giant floating orb showed up, I was very confused going, I'm sure there's a whole series of books that would explain what the heck I'm looking at right now. But I don't know. Um, no, it's and I love the fact that all the cards are on the table now already where we know all the four sinister clones. We know the diamond one is clearly the biggest threat, but. Back to the guy in the orb where he's like, yeah, I'm off to become a Dominion level now. And I'm like, what? what's the name of the last book in this little event? Oh, Dominion? That's interesting. Maybe he's the real bad guy we should be worried about. But. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Brywood in the comments uh, called out, you know, Dominion is, is imminent. Um, and I that's actually what surprises me most about these Sins of Sinister one-shots and tie-ins and miniseries is that they're, they're really less... This is less like Age of Apocalypse and more like uh, like this whole event is less that and more kind of just reaching back to those original two books and throwing some weird things in along the way. And so you have the mashup fun, but there's actually a lot more to do with those core books that relaunched the X-Men than I yeah. expected. I expected this to be more of a you know, age of apocalypse style thing where like we get all these creative things and, but they're less tethered to that. It's, it's taking us outside of that reality. And that's not as not this, that's not a bad thing. It's just different than what I was expecting, but, but well, yeah, I enjoy, it. I enjoy it. X-Men is trying to do what like Picard did early on, which is like describe this mach godlike machine entity. That's like outside space time. And it's like playing with that, those concepts gets really heady, really quick. Yeah. Where you're like, you're trying to affect different versions of reality so you can beat this thing that's above reality. And then like, how do you, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, moving into something uh, uh, that I hope. A little hope easier. Janelle, yeah, I was going to say, I hope Janelle and me had, a, had an easier time uh, following is Captain Marvel number 46, which does not leave the X-Men. It's very much, uh, and actually the X-Men issue, the core X-Men issue this week also uh, involved the brood. And this is chapter four of this. Uh, it's, no secret, we've been. I feel like we've been gushing about this uh, the last last couple months. I I adored this. Um, there's so much like great back and forth. I mean, that's my biggest thing about Captain Marvel is her supporting cast is fantastic. It's why I want the movies to use them more because mm -hmm. in the comics they're such a crucial part. We get, but I love the X Men stuff. Quanin, uh, like that whole seeing the future. There's a whole part where there was a whole arc set in the future, and we refer to that in this issue, but in a really cool way that you don't necessarily have had to read to get some of the, the meaning behind that moment, I think it's cool, but I'm curious to know what you, what did you feel about that? Cause I can't remember if you read that arc or not. I did not. And okay. I was actually wondering like what I need to read to see uh, her previous interaction with this villain, because she talks about like the effects of it so much and her fear of anyone else experiencing it that I'm like, okay, I need to know what she went through. Like, I, I don't know what this was or if they even show this in another book, but I wish I knew that because this is the first time in this series that I felt like, okay, I missed something okay. prior yeah. to this, um, but loved it. It's, it's right. great. It's so great. There's a lot of action. There's like the story's finally progressing and moving forward. And we know what's happened to those they were looking for. And, um, and it's, it's very rewarding. Yeah, no, I agree. And I will get you those books. Cause this is yeah. also, I agree with you. The first one where they really jump to things that haven't been built within this particular right. story. Yes. Um, there's also a Wolverine hazmat sequence that is gorgeous. <laughs> it's a whole, it's like a two page spread. It's fantastic. So yeah, I will get those uh, to you. Cause I think those add mm -hmm. a lot to it, even though I enjoyed it on its own. Mm -hmm. um, and then last, it's not, no one else had to read this, uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't shout out uh, Batman beyond the white Knight number eight, uh, because this brought this, this particular series to a close amazing finale, but white Knight, it's no secret has been one of my favorite DC projects in like I adore this whole universe. And so now we're getting Generation Joker, which is next. That'll be later this year, which follows uh, the two Jack Napier's two kids on this weird kind of road trip thing through his past. And then in this issue, they also introduce the kind of the wider DC. So we get like Jon Stewart, Diana, we get 
what we think is, you know, essentially Superman, but like, is it our Superman? That kind of thing. We get all that stuff. So the next other arc will be like White Knight World's Finest. That's going to be dope. <laughs> so I love this universe so much and it makes me so happy. I was kind of actually worried that they would stop it uh, with this and they're not. And we're getting two books, uh, 2023, I believe. So I'm super stoked about that. So that's uh, definitely books. But there was a lot of good books this week. That's comics. All right. That'll do it for our regular show. This is Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. Official podcast at comicbook.com. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you're watching right now. If you're on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, make sure to mark us down and make sure to go to our YouTube and mark it down because we're dropping more and more. That page is growing like a weed and we are dropping more and more content there, including today's bonus round. So if you are watching a live stream, we're going to cut it here. And we're going to move into our bonus round on YouTube today. Me and Janelle Wheeler are going to get up in like a tag team duo in wrestling, talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and is it a good start for Phase 5? Is this the start for Phase 5 that we want? Plus, Matt and Connor are going to get together and recap a lot of stuff that's going on in wrestling. These will both be in our bonus round episodes going on up on YouTube later today. So be sure to subscribe to Comic Book Nation YouTube now. If you're just listening, well, the show is always here in podcast form. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platforms. And thank you. Drop that five-star review. We're out of here. Be sure to check out all our work on comicbook.com. You can always catch Connor over on Wrestling, Matt, and me everywhere. And you can always hang out with Janelle Wheeler on her Twitch streams. Yeah. So be sure to do all of that if you're having fun in the Comic Book Nation community. Thank you again to our guests from uh, the creative team of Batman One Bad Day, Clayface. This is Comic Book Nation. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Thanks, guys. Bye. Peace.